Hey guys, welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast with Josh and Danielle, where we talk about our marriage, family, and the everyday stuff that we all face. We don't always agree on everything, and we certainly don't have it all figured out, but we know that God does. We're so glad you're here. Hello. Welcome back this to is, another episode. This is, uh, I don't know, we didn't say anything about this. And I actually didn't realize it until I was publishing last week's episode. But last week was episode number 15. Whoa. 15 episodes? Yeah. I feel like that's an accomplishment. Listen, I promised you eight. I've just about doubled. This is double. This is double the eight. I promised you. I don't know what's going on with my voice right now, but this is double. Yeah, this is 16. So good on you. Good on me. (laughs) Can't. Can does that mean we're done? No, that does not mean we're done. Although how how long are we doing this? I don't know. Until people stop listening, I guess. Are people listening? A, a couple people listen. Okay. How many people <laughs> like how many people have to listen to justify? Keep doing this podcast. Oh, I don't know. I I mean Like is it is it one like one person. A, if one person is getting value out of our conversations, then I would say that's worth it. If one person is listening. Yeah. You don't think that one. So are you telling our listeners right now that one of them is not no, important because enough for us to continue? Here's what I'm thinking. Like if only one person is listening, it's probably my mom. Well, that might be true. <laughs> but there's not just are one just person listening. going to do it for my mom? So if there's value being had, then I say we keep going. Okay. So we're going to keep going. Indefinitely. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So we are recording on a different day of the week than what we normally record on. So today is actually it's tonight now, but it is Sunday Yeah. and it's been a crazy day. It's been a crazy weekend. And I feel like we say that every week. Like we've had such a weekend. We are so tired. I I have this terrible frog in my throat right now. It's like allergies. As opposed to like a terrible frog as opposed to like a A wonderful frog. frog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were outside pretty much all day today. Oh, so yeah, we did. We <laughs> my went. allergies are going crazy Listen, right now, I, I did not realize this could happen, but even if you're not allergic to strawberries, you could be allergic to strawberry plants because we went strawberry picking today with the young adults. Did you Google that? Um, No, I didn't Google it. I know from experience because my arms broke out in like... <laughs> broke out in like this rash from reaching into the strawberry patch but is that an allergic reaction or is that just because like when i cut the grass sometimes my arms get like that they got red like your arms do Uh, is that allergy is that just like itchy grass i don't know that itchy like not everybody had that on their arms today and everybody went strawberry picking i guess so i feel like I feel like if I did one of those like allergy tests where they poke you in the back, probably I would be allergic to to just about. I would all never the do that. No, of course you wouldn't. You don't like you don't go to the doctor, and even if you're like so so sick, you can't get off the couch. You would not go to the doctor. That's you don't, not. You that's, don't like that is needles. Not true. I do hate needles. I am needle phobic. I'm sure there's an actual word for that. Probably. But- I but you just need hate to think needles. you're lucky stars that you are not a female. I guess that's true. Because we go through a lot of stuff y'all don't even know. Well, I'm, I don't need to know. I'm okay with being in the dark about that. That's all right. I don't know. I've gotten so much, so much blood drawn and IVs and all kinds of crazy stuff. I do actually hate Ooh. needles. Like I am... I don't enjoy them. I don't know who does enjoy them, it's but my favorite thing. I do not like to like I put off getting life insurance for a long time because I knew that I was going to have to get my blood drawn. But here's the thing. That's ridiculous. I know. Like but. you have the most beautiful veins for everything, for taking blood, for IVs. Why I appreciate we, I don't that. know why we're Is talking that a compliment? I guess. But All your right. veins just like pop right out of your arms and your hands. I mean, you it's cannot. because I'm so muscular. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why? What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> That's not funny. That wasn't a joke. I think it was a joke. It was not a joke. Oh man. Okay. I'm gonna. Get, I'm just gonna keep moving. I. You can't see my veins at all, 
And so whenever they stick me, they like have to stick me and stick me. It's not. It's not a fun experience. So I can understand why you don't like needles. I do yeah. not care for them much myself. But, you know, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. What is your, this is completely off topic, but we're recording on a different day. So I figured I'd ask the question, what is your favorite day of the week? I don't want to go first because you're going to think I'm a nut job. Well, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's too late. I want to know. I want to know what your fir- like favorite. I asked the question, how come I have to go first? <sighs> like you do the same thing. We play Ticket to Ride and at the end of Ticket to Ride, you never, you always have to go last telling how many points you earned. Because I feel like what I say is going to influence what you say. No. Like, I feel like you make, say, you make other people who are guests in our home tell their <laughs> score before you will give your score. Listen, no, you. It's mostly you. It is not me. Yes, because I'm like, okay, if I say 125, he's going to be like, I got 127. I would probably say that. No, I would say 126, but. You're the worst. Then I would, I would correct it. I would tell would the truth. Would you tell truth. the truth? I always tell the truth. I don't know. I feel like you would just... I only cheat listen. momentarily. <laughs> momentarily. My dad used to do this thing when we played Monopoly. If he lost, he didn't want to know how bad he lost. So he would be like, and then a tornado came. And he would mess up the whole board. And so nobody knew like who won. Nobody knew how much they won by. Because he would always do that. And I feel like you would be like, I got 126. And then a tornado came. And you would just like pull all the trains off. Ticket to Ride is an awesome game. We love that game. It is a lot of fun. If anyway, you've never okay. played it, you ought to check it out. Going back to um, my the favorite question. day of the week. Everybody's going to think I'm crazy, but here it is. It's Monday. What? It is. Whose favorite day of the week is Monday? <laughs> I know. I you know. are a nut job. I knew you were going to say that, which is why I wanted you to go first. Well, I mean, it wouldn't change the fact that you are crazy. I know. Why is your favorite day of the week Monday? Okay, listen. You are a pastor. And Sundays around here are bonkers. They just are. You know. They're busy. We're busy. Yeah. For two reasons, then. Monday is the day after Sunday. And I feel like it's a day to just, like, decompress. And also, I'm glad that's true for you. <laughs> and also, I feel like every, I feel like it's a clean start, like a new, like a clean slate. It's a new week. I haven't messed it up yet. I haven't disappointed anyone. <laughs> I haven't yeah, been late weird. to anything. I haven't forgotten anything. Well, you haven't been late to anything until eight o'clock on Monday morning. Oh, stop. Ugh. Anyways, you're ruining Monday for me. <laughs> I feel like it's I mean just it's a respectable. Clean, it's fine. Start. It's your it's your favorite day. Am Who I, am I to criticize your I, favorite day? But that's crazy. Who are you to criticize? But that's crazy. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's such a good day. It's it is a okay. good day. I I, right. I mean. It is the day the Lord hath made, so you know. Well, that would be every day. I know, but I I appreciate uh, a good. That's what the Bible Monday. says. This is the day. That the Lord hath made. Listen, I am sure that there are other people out there whose favorite day is Monday. There might be. Let us know. If it's your favorite day of the week and you're crazy like Danielle, then please uh, feel free to let us know. We'll put up a poll on Facebook. How's that? Are we going to do that? Sure, let's do it. Let's just ask the people what their favorite day of the week is. I I feel like it's not going to be quite fair. (laughs) I can guarantee. I I think I know what the answer will be. It's going to be Friday. Overwhelmingly, the answer will be Friday. But that's because... Listen, that's because of the work week. The people that go to work every single day and they have to go back to work on Monday and our weekend is over. Our weeks are different. I guess. Our weeks are different. Okay, go ahead. Okay, what is your well, favorite day I, of the week? Well, it's hard to say because, I mean, honestly, like every day is my favorite day of the week. I just, I love every day. Oh, <laughs> please. You're ridiculous. I would say like growing up, my favorite day of the week was always Friday. You know, as a kid, obviously you get to the end of the school week. For me, a big reason that Friday was my favorite day was because um, I had minor, I had tickets to minor league hockey team, and <clears throat> I loved going to the hockey games. And um, Fridays were typically hockey days, and so you know, <laughs> a lot of Friday nights I would be going to the hockey games. So I would always look forward to that. Um, so Fridays were unquestionably growing up my favorite day of the week. 
I um, think probably Fridays were my favorite too. I mean, school's done. Yeah, it's the weekend. I mean, it's a natural. I guess day to be your. But favorite now, day. what's your favorite day of the week? Probably now would be. Um, I'd say Saturday or Sunday. Really? Like I, I love Saturday from the standpoint that it's just sometimes it's just a lazy day. Um, we're we're in baseball season right now, so it's a lot of fun just to spend the day at the baseball field, mm-hmm. uh, watching the kids play. Um, so Saturday is nice. Just we don't have too many lazy Saturdays, but the lazy ones that do come, that's nice where we can just kind of sleep in and lay around and you know not have a whole lot to do. Um, Sundays, I mean, obviously, I love to uh, teach. The Bible, and so that's a, a. I love seeing our church families. So Sundays is a lot of fun, too. Um, I like so Sundays I'd say too. Saturdays and Sundays are my favorite days of the week. Saturdays and Sundays, I do like Sundays. I like to be together. I like to worship together. Yeah. But Mondays, as far as the work, like I the guess. week is going, I feel like at fresh. Start. Hey, you do you. Thanks. Mondays. Mondays. <laughs> All right. All right. So this week we are going to discuss. Uh, well, what is it, Danielle? Because this is kind of your your topic. Uh, why are you looking at me like that? Because this is not got, my topic. No, you, this was this topic was your idea. I'm not saying that. Oh right, you yeah. Are. This is the topic I chose because it's true. I think I think that sometimes um, you know marriages fail when people they lose. I don't know how re- I really want to say it, but they lose their sense of identity. No, I think that is the right way to say yeah, it. Yeah, you feel like you've lost yourself. Right, right. And it's not even like because you're necessarily pouring too much into your marriage or you're pouring too much into your kids, but sometimes you just become, your, your identity becomes wrapped up in what you do and not who you are. Right, and I think that that is true for a lot of people, but... I think that could especially be true for us as wives. Like I've I've known people who um, wives in particular who've kind of left left their families um, because they I don't know weren't feeling like they were living their best life. They weren't feeling feeling fulfilled in that relationship. And I was thinking, like, I guess that would be would easily happen. It could easily happen. Um, like you feel like you want two different things. Like yeah. the husband wants one thing and the wife wants another thing because, you know, she feels like she's <laughs> she's trapped under a pile of dirty dishes and laundry and she's chauffeuring and she's the chef and she's the maid and this isn't how she intended her life to be. It's not how she imagined it was going to be. And um, she feels like, you know, there's more to life than this and I'm missing it. And she's kind of lost a sense of who she is. Yeah. And, and I think you and I have had this conversation before Um even about, you know, our marriage and, um, you, you know, that that idea of losing your identity and feeling like your identity becomes wrapped up, like I said a, a minute ago, in what you do. So caring for the kids or um, and this is true for for husbands as well. Our identity, what can skew our the the, the way that we view ourselves, our circumstances certainly can. So if you're in a marriage that's struggling and you're constantly uh, fighting and having, you know, marital difficulty, certainly those circumstances can skew the way that you view yourself. Um, our friends, people we choose to allow to influence our lives can certainly begin to skew the way that that, that I view myself. My job, when I begin to identify myself by what I do and not uh, who I am in Christ, and then certainly that um, authority, failure, all of these things can begin to kind of mess with the way that, that I view myself. But I think at the end of the day, the important thing is that we come back to who we are as children of God. Right. So let me share a verse with you. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, 
according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so that, that, that word there to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, it's kind of like the, the Greek word is phreneo. And it's like this idea of super thinking that we, we are thinking way more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And so we begin to lose our identity. But he says there at the end of verse three that um, he ought to think soberly. The word sober means serious. He ought to give serious thought. She ought to give serious thought to who she is in who he is in Jesus Christ and who Christ has called him to be. And so at the end of the day, when I wrap my identity up in my family and what they say I am or my responsibilities and what I have to be, then I certainly begin to lose that sense of who I am in Christ. Right. Um, and I know that I've been there, you know, we've, we've had talks about this, especially because, uh, as a stay at home mom and a pastor's wife, there's a lot that I do. A lot of things consume my time and, and, and those things I feel like sometimes, or have felt like sometimes those things, what difference am I making? You know what I mean? Like, I want to make a difference for Christ. What difference am I making by um, constantly washing dishes, doing laundry, cleaning house? Like, I'm Josh's wife, and I, I am, you know, the Venebros. That's what our boys call themselves. I'm their mother, and that's who I am. And 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 I think that at some point for, for some of us, I think for a lot of us, honestly, somewhere along the way, we cease to be individuals. We cease to be ourselves to the point where we almost don't even know what we, what we want, what we like. Um, what would you say to someone who's feeling that way? Well, I would say that I would say what I said with Romans twelve three that at the end of the day, we have to remember who Christ has told us we are. So when I wrap my identity around what I do, whether that's my job or whether that's a responsibility that I have or whether that's me as a husband or me as a wife, um, then at the end of the day, then I'm <coughs> I'm identifying myself incorrectly, and so. Who has Jesus said that I am? Who has Jesus said that you are? I think really that that's the question that has to be answered when we begin to think uh, in, in some of the ways that you thought. And I remember when we had this conversation that you actually said some of these things mm -hmm. that like you were feeling like, you know, I just wash the dishes or I just do the laundry or I'm just here to clean the house. And what impact is that making on you know, of, for the cause of Christ or what impact am I having? And I think another thing that's important for us to remember is, you know, who we're doing those things for. Mm. So we're not just doing those things for our family, but we're doing those things for, for the cause of Christ. We're doing those things to teach our kids. So, you know, me serving my kids or washing the dishes or helping them to learn how to wash the dishes or, you know, raising godly young people or, you know, pitching in at the house is not just, you know, me pitching in at the house and me doing dishes. It's me really serving those that are around me and helping them to learn to see Christ in me and helping them to learn how to serve others. Does that make sense? It certainly makes sense. you understand sense. what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's it's. A picture how we serve others is is showing those around us um, how how to serve, how to put others' needs above yourself, and and certainly, um, you know the the most important thing is your relationship with God. But the Bible says, you know, that loving others is the second commandment, and and it's showing your kids, it's showing your family how you can love someone else, how, how you can be there for them. Yeah, so I would challenge you at the, at the start of this conversation, maybe you just want to take a second and push the pause button and just take a break uh, from, from the conversation right now and, and just ask yourself this question. What is my identity? Not who has Christ said I am, because we're going to talk about that in just a second, but who, how do you identify yourself right now? 
if you had to say, this is who I am, what would it be? Would it just be, I'm so-and-so's wife, or I'm so-and-so's husband, or I'm a homemaker, or I'm a school teacher, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a, you know, you insert your, I'm a banker, you insert your, your job title there. Would, would that be your identity? And if so, are you identifying yourself properly? Are you finding your, your true biblical identity? And so what is it that, how does God identify me? Well, first of all, if we're saved, he identifies me as his child. John chapter one, verse 12 says, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so I'm a child of God. Now that's a powerful thought that I am God's child, that I have an inheritance because of the fact that I am God's child. And so when I can remember that I'm a child of God, man, that can really revolutionize the way that I view myself. Not only does Jesus call me his child, he calls me his friend, which is amazing to me. That the God of the universe, the God that created it all, calls me his friend. In John 15, he says, Henceforth, I call you not servants. You're not my slaves. Yes, you're you're serving me, you're working for me, but you're not my slaves because the servant knoweth not, the Bible says, what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. That's an amazing thing that Jesus has called us his friends, that we are friends of the ever living God. And so if you're struggling with this idea of identity today, maybe it's a good time just to take a step back and to say, you know what, here's who Christ tells me I am. Christ tells me that I'm his child. Christ tells me that I'm his friend, that I've been justified and, and redeemed. Um, I love this thought. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so because of Christ, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am now a child of God. And so when I begin to think those thoughts and to really realize my identity the way that that Christ has told me I should, then it really frees me up and gives me the opportunity uh, to, to live a much more free, powerful life. You have any thoughts on that? I know that was a lot that I threw at. Yeah, that that was a lot. And, and, and I think about who we are in Christ, um, as a child of God, as a friend of Jesus, as redeemed, um, how, how would you reconcile that with the idea that we are unique, that we are unique created beings? Yeah, I I think that's a, a good question. So reconciling the fact that we are a child of God with Right, like all of those things are true about all of us. But how does that fit in with the context of, yes, we are all of those things, but me as an individual myself, I'm a unique created being. What does that mean for the individual? Yeah, I think that, you know, I have to remember that God has created me and I'm speaking in the first person now because I'm answering this question that you that you asked me about myself, so that God has created me for a unique purpose, and that God has created you as a, the, the listener for a unique purpose. And you have a unique opportunity and calling on your life from God that I don't have. You have a sphere of influence that I, I will never have. And so Jesus calling you his child, Jesus calling you his friend should push us to serve him. So I read Romans 12, 3 to kind of open the conversation where it talks, it, it, Paul says there in Romans 12, 3, I say through the grace given to me, uh, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God had dealt to every man, the measure of faith. But in verses one and two, you know, the verses beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so as a unique created being that God has, if you've, if you've been saved, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift to be used for him, to be used so that, that, that it can further his kingdom. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if you've been saved, then you have a, a reasonable, you have a reason to serve God. 
and you have an expected service for him. And so I think when you think about your uniqueness, your unique calling that's on your life, I would bring it back. I would, I would bring it back to center, which is I'm a child of God and we all are children of God, but each of us have a unique calling within that identity. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when somebody talks about um, them losing who they are, I think a lot of that has to do with them feeling as though they've lost that um, unique sense of who they are as mm-hmm. an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that our identity is not found in our relationships. It's not found in what we do. We might not always live like that. You know, it, it's, hard, it's hard to separate yourself from those things. Um, it's hard to remember who you are as a unique individual. And sometimes you do forget that you are a unique, loved creation. You are a person. Sometimes I think of myself so much as Josh's wife and the boy's mother that I forget uh, God made me Danielle with a, a personality with individual likes and dislikes and strengths and weaknesses. And you're right. He saved me as an individual. I, Danielle, don't lose that sense of identity and personality and what makes me unique um, when I become a child of God. But he uses those things. Um, I, th- I think he's called us each to something unique and special and and each person has a different job because of those things and I think that when someone says I've lost kind of who I am that's what they're referring to they're referring to yeah I kind of I kind of have have lost that unique sense of who I am as an individual um and I know for me that does happen because I wrap myself up in, you know, what you need, um, what, what my kids need from me. And that tends to kind of overtake my life instead of stopping and asking God what he needs from me, Danielle, I think of how I can fit myself into what my husband is doing or what my kids are doing. Um, and I think that when people say that, that's what they're referring to. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I would say that oftentimes we're looking for our identity in all the wrong places. And so I don't know if you've if you've heard of this or, or read this book, but it's a book called Stop Trying uh, by Carrie Schmidt. And um, he has done a, an incredible job on this topic of identity and talking about finding our identity in the proper place. And so he basically breaks it down. If I can simplify it in just a couple minutes here, he basically breaks it down into three different identity structures. The traditional identity structure, which is me seeking someone else's approval. And that's kind of what you're talking about a little bit. Yeah, seeking seeking the approval of someone else, living for someone else's approval. Um, right. Even like my job as a pastor's wife is so wrapped up in what you do that a lot of what I do is because of what you do. Right. And so, yeah, I I want to be a help to you, but sometimes I forget that God has a calling on my life individually. And yeah, some of that might be to help you. Obviously, I'm a help me, right? So a lot of that is to help you in what you're doing. But God might have something individually for me as a person, as a ministry. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and and that's definitely true. I think that God has, again, a unique calling for each of us and that we have to find what that is. And it's not some, when I say we have to find what that is, that's not God it's in some way hiding it from us and sending us on this big, you know, treasure, treasure, treasure search. I can't get that word out. Uh, (laughs) But it's, it's God just, you know, it's, it's me following God each day and God revealing to me step by step what he has for me. And, and 
so, so back to the identity structures that I was talking about a minute sure, ago, the same. traditional identity structure, which is me seeking the approval of other people. It's me saying, you know, I want this person to approve. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I want my parents to approve of me. I want my, you know, in, in sports, I want, I want my coach to approve of me. But it often becomes a bad thing because we begin to live, live our life for the approval of others. That's the purpose of our, that becomes the purpose of our life. And so I begin to allow other people to define who I am. And that's not good. Because when I allow other people to define me, I, I no longer am looking at scripture and saying, God, I want you to show me what you want me to do. Reveal to me your unique calling on my life. It's I'm going to do this so that I can get the approval of someone else. Right. And then when God's calling on your life is, you know, to help your husband or it is to stay at home and take care of your home, then you know that you're doing what God wants you to do and you're fulfilling his calling on your life by doing those things. You can have confidence that that is what he's called you to as an individual. Yeah, so I would come back to what you were saying earlier about somebody who feels like, well, you know, me just washing the dishes or me, you know, just being buried underneath a pile of laundry and trying to finish it, uh, you know, each day. I would say that if if that is God's unique calling on your life, then then embrace that. Right. And, and that, but honestly, just in all honesty, that's something that's hard to embrace. Yeah, sure. Because you you see, you know, other people going out there doing great big things. Right. And you are at home. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and you have listen, to remember that 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 there is um there's no shame in that. Right. Especially if this is what God has called you to do. You know, one of the greatest um privileges that a person can have is to be a mother, is to have a home, is to to have a husband. It it not it's a privilege, right? And and to be able to guide those lives. And I, I, my friend said this one time. Sometimes the greatest thing that you do is not actually what you do, but it's who you raise. Yeah. And that sometimes as a woman, as a person, is hard to accept. And I, I think that we just need to constantly be reminding ourselves that it's not about me. And it's not about what I am doing. It's about what God has called me to do um, and, and finding joy in that. Um, go ahead. What you just said has far greater reach than just for a, a, a mom who's struggling with, well, I'm just so-and-so's hu- or wife or I'm just so-and-so's mom and I'm, you know, buried under this pile of laundry. Like that has a huge impact even for those of us that are in ministry that maybe you know you've been you've been faithfully serving in a a, a church you know that has a hundred people for years and years and years and maybe there's times that you feel as though well what impact am I having you know I'm not at this mega church that's exploding in growth and has six thousand people and ten campuses and you know so what impact am I really having in you know this rural part of the 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 country where I've got a hundred people that I've ministered to faithfully but I believe strongly that that your faithfulness in whatever ministry God has given you, and this is true for lay people as well, your faithfulness in ministering to that person that sits across the cubicle from you or to that person that you see every day when you check out at the grocery store, your faithfulness in ministry is is a, a huge testament to the fact that you know who you are. That you're allowing Christ to define you. And it doesn't matter how many people you have in your church. It doesn't matter how many loads of laundry you did on that day. It doesn't matter how mundane you feel as though your your ministry is. But I think it's really just a, a, a change in our thinking. Rather than seeking the approval of men, and rather than seeking necessarily just numerical results or big things that God does in our life. It's just seeking to be faithful to him Mm. and finding my identity in him. 
And you say, well, how does this even apply into a marriage? Well, because when I begin to get wrapped up in, well, how does this person view me? Or how does my husband view me? Or how does my wife view me? Or how does the church view me? Or how does, you know, when, when I begin to get wrapped up in that, then I begin to be someone that I'm not. Mm. And when I lose my identity and I begin to be someone I'm not, then my family looks at me and they're like, who are you? And, you know, who, who did I marry? And this isn't the person I married. And then that obviously can lead to issues in our marriages. Right. So this I, has a, a huge impact on not just your personal emotional health, but also on our families. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, a, a lot of times, a lot of times we, <laughs> we just, as wives kind of instead of talking to each other about goals um this goes back to last week's conversation instead of talking to each other about deeper things about um, your needs and your desires and your individual calling oftentimes one person just goes for it you know and then the other person kind of just dutifully follows behind and a lot of times it's the husband that just goes for it and the wife just dutifully follows behind when what really needs to happen is that you need to communicate with each other you need to to talk to one another you need to to figure out you know what does god what is god calling me to do what do i have a a burden for what do i have um a calling to do what desires do i have are they are those desires from god you know and then melding those two things together so instead of one person just kind of going for it and the other person just kind of following behind you do it together you know you talk about what God has for the both of you as as individuals um I was thinking a a little bit about like why you feel like you've lost yourself I I think that a lot of it goes to the fact that, yes, we've forgotten who we are. We're children of God. We're a new creation. We're bought with a price. We're, we're new creatures in Christ. Um, but I think that sometimes we're just tired, you know? Like, we've neglected our daily needs. We need rest. We, we've, we don't stop to recognize that there's joy in those little things. Um, and, and I think that the, the joy that we find is in the blessings that, that God has given us. And, and we lament our position instead of recognizing the blessings that God has given us. Um, and yeah, those blessings, the joy that we find is often, like I said, unique to, to our personalities. Um, I think sometimes also, too, that we try to just control things, you know. You try to be in control of your life, which is what the whole conversation is about. Instead of letting God have control of your life, you're trying to make things happen instead of allowing God to lead. Um, I think when, when all of these things are true, like we, we can, especially, especially when we neglect ourselves. And I know that that sounds like antithesis to what, what, kind of is the message you know what I mean like opposite of you know you should be loving God and loving others and your life should be all about serving God and serving others but God recognizes that we have limitations and when we go 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 and and put ourselves out there to the neglect of our 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 needs as a human being of rest of good nutrition. Uh, I think that we run ourselves down and then we feel like, you know, trapped. Um, and I, I, that might be kind of off, off topic to what you're saying, but I think that those things contribute. No, I think you're, you're definitely right that because that traditional identity structure that I was talking about about a few minutes ago, being letting other people define you, I have to do, do, do so that other people will look at me and say, wow, wow, wow. Right. So it's always me living for the approval of someone else. And so when I live for the approval of someone else, I'm always going to have to be pouring out. I'm always going to have to be doing the next thing. Yeah, and I'm always going to have to be. Uh, and so rather than living for the approval of one, 
of Jesus and doing what he's called me to do, then I'm living for somebody else. And so I'm always, I'm burning myself out. Right. And emotional health, I know that, you know, that that's kind of a buzzword and that sometimes when we hear that as Christians, we kind of roll our eyes, but I think that's wrong. I don't think that we should do that because you're absolutely right. We've got to take care of ourselves because that's, that's a responsibility that God has given us. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is. Right. And, and so you have a responsibility to take care of it. Your body is more than just your physical body. It's your emotional well-being as well. And if I'm run, running myself ragged for the approval of somebody else, well, then at the end of the day, I'm sinning. Mm, yeah. And and when you when you have run yourself ragged, when you have neglected your, your needs, when you have neglected rest, I think about that, that, that idea of rest. You know, God knew that we needed that. He recognized that we have physical limitations. Um. And so he called us to a Sabbath. And I don't honestly think that most of us proper, properly recognize the Sabbath as we should and take that time to rest. That, I think, require, requires faith almost that you, <laughs> that you just stop. Well, I think not only does it require faith, but I think it also requires me realizing that the world does not rest upon me. Yeah, that's that what I was going to say. Other it doesn't people, all hinge on me. Yeah, the, uh, that other people can can do things too. It's not just me that can do things. And I would say this. I, I would push back just a little bit on this part of our conversation and say there will be days and seasons, like we talked about last week with priorities, there will be days and seasons in your life where at the end of the day you are run ragged. Because it's a busy day, because you, you had a lot to do that day. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if that is the story of my life and that is every day for me, then certainly I'm not observing the Sabbath as I should. Right. And it's going to burn me out and wear me out. Absolutely. And I think that it's from that place. It's from that place of giving everything for everybody else and forgetting why we're doing it and forgetting to, to to take care of ourselves and forgetting that I am a unique creation and and forgetting to to look around and see God's blessing and the joys that that God is bringing into my life because I'm lamenting my position I think it's from that place you know it, it just piles one thing on top of the other and it's from that place that you know we kind of despair yeah. you know we kind I, of cry out to i i think it's a a myriad of things that that brings a person to a place where they feel like uh this is not what i envisioned for my life i'm wrapped up in everybody else i'm wrapped up in my husband and i'm wrapped up in my children and who even am i um but i think then when we get to that place too that people become pawns and so we begin to move people into places where you know not literally like we're not literally picking <laughs> them up and moving them but we begin to position people in places in our lives where we can use them for even though that may not necessarily be our our goal or our purpose we begin to move them into places where now i can i can do this and i can accomplish this task through this person you know what i'm saying right. like we we start to use people because we are burnt out and because we are not identifying ourselves properly and we're not identifying people as god has identified them as as people that he loves mm -hmm. and people that we should minister to and so i think that that's important yeah um I, I think basically what we're getting at, you know, I, and I'm speaking to the ladies because this is often how I felt. I mean, just in all honesty, like this is often how I felt. And, you know, I, I've lived this out. But I think that what we're trying to say, ladies, is stop and assess. Where are you finding your identity? Is it in your husband? Is it in, you know, how successful your children are? Is it in having a clean house? I mean, is, is that your idea of success? But ladies, you need to remember that 
success is identifying ourselves as a unique and loved individual that has been redeemed, that is a child of God. And, and ladies, rest in that. Let him guide your life, whatever that looks like. Surrender it to him. And in that surrender, you can find peace and you can find rest. And you can, you can know that you are doing what he has called you to do, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, that he loves you for you and he's put you in that unique place for a unique reason. But you know what else? Talk to your husband about it because he wants to know. He needs to know where you are, how you're feeling, and you can work through those things together. And if you feel a unique calling on your life or if you feel that God wants you to do something different, let him know that. But, but ladies, remember, it doesn't hinge on you. It's not all about you and what you can contribute and what you can do. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's all about God's plan. What God needs from me. What God needs from me as an individual. And accepting that. Accepting that position wherever that may be. Just allowing him to control that. And, and, and to give me the peace that only resting in him can bring. Yeah, I think that's important because, you know, I was mentioning that Carrie's, Carrie Schmidt's book, Stop Trying, and the identity structures he lays out there. And the first one is that traditional identity where I allow other people to tell me who I am. But the second one, it kind of speaks to what you were just talking about, the modern identity structure, which is I get to define myself. Right. So I tell you who I am. And this is pervasive in our society today. I tell you who I am and you have to accept me as such. And so, you know, what, what you were just saying is, I think, fits well into that uh, identity structure where we have to be careful about trying to tell God who we are. Mm. And rather than accepting who he's told me I am and living that out, and that empowers me. That emboldens me. That helps me to, this This would be the gospel-shaped identity, which is right. the, the correct identity structure to have. And I think that it's important to say that the gospel-shaped identity doesn't mean that we're all clones of one another. We still retain our unique personalities and of our course, strengths. Yeah. And I think sometimes in church, people get burdened and like weighed down because they feel like they have to fit into this little Christian box when that's not really what that means. You know, God has called you as an individual and he's made you unique and he loves you just the way you are with your with your unique, interesting, like some people are real interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with your unique characteristics, with your personality, and you you have something to offer and bring to the table. And you don't have to wipe away that personality. And you don't have to fit in to this perfect little Christian box to retain and to accept the identity that you have in Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, I think even about the Apostle Paul, um, who obviously had a checkered past. Uh, you know, his background was one of persecuting and killing Christians. Um, you know, he had u unique experiences and obviously God used him in an incredible way. But in second Corinthians chapter 12, he kind of speaks to this a little bit in verse nine. He says, and he said unto me, this is Jesus speaking. My grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I gl glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so we know that, that Paul had infirmities from his different, you know, beatings, from the difficulties that he faced. We know he had the thorn in the flesh as well. And so he says in verse 10, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. And so, you know, here Paul is, he's saying, I made 
I'm made strong in my weakness. And I think sometimes that we feel like, you know, the way that God has made us, whether that's our personality quirks or, you know, the the difference differences that I have or the inability that I have that someone else has, has the ability to do, whether that's singing or playing an instrument or whatever it is, that somehow that makes us less valuable mm. to the church. And I think that's exactly what Paul is speaking to here is that I've got all these infirmities. I've got all these problems. I've got a thorn in the flesh, but yet my strength is made perfect or, or my, my weakness is made perfect <laughs> through God's strength. And so uh, you are strong the way that God has made you. And so don't allow someone else's view of you to shape who you are, but allow what God has told you about yourself to shape who you are. I think that's really the key at the end of the day. Absolutely. So any final thoughts from you? Um, I guess what I would say is if you're feeling this way, maybe stop, maybe examine, maybe take a break. Maybe you just need rest. Well, I think that's important for us to do anyways, for right. all of us to stop, examine, take a break and say, okay, what's the identity structure in which I'm judging myself? Right. Is it the traditional? Is it modern? Is it me saying this is who I am and God, you're going to have to deal with it? Or is it me saying, God, tell me who I am. God, show me who I am. Right. And I want to live that way. Yep. Because a man-centered, approval-based identity will always lead me to discontentment, disillusionment, and this insatiable hunger for validation. Mm. And so I'm always going to be seeking the validation of someone else. Right. I'm always going to be seeking for someone to either tell me who I am or to, um, to, to commend me for who I'm telling them that I am. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. So I, I think a God-centered identity is always going to lead me to sufficiency in Christ and in Christ alone. And at the end of the day, that's where we need to live. Amen. So I hope that this has been uh, an encouragement for you. Um, I know that this is a, a, a difficult topic for many of us because, you know, we feel like we lost our identity in our job or as a mom or whatever it might be. Um, but let's find our identity in Christ and in Christ alone. Yeah, you, you can have joy. There, there, is, there is joy to be found when you place yourself, basically, in God's hands. Yeah. And you let him control you and you recognize who you are in him. Yeah. There's hope. There's joy. Well, listen, thank you for listening. Uh, we're glad that you've joined us for yet another week of the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so go over to iTunes or however it is that you listen and leave us a rating and a review. That will really help us out um, just to reach more people and hopefully encourage more people. Also, join the conversation over on Facebook.com at the He Said, She Said podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And so uh, go over to Facebook and give us a like and join in on the conversation there. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to being back with you again next week. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us this week on He Said, She Said. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing.